Hey everybody, welcome to West Seattle Christian Church online. If you're new, welcome. If not, welcome back. This is the first Sunday of Lent for 2022, and I want to remind you that it's a feast day. Each Sunday in Lent is a day to take it easy and to rest and play and relax. It is part of the rhythms and practices for spiritual formation during the season of Lent. And if you haven't already, I encourage you to check out our Lent information post on our blog for more resources during this time as we look forward to Resurrection Sunday on Easter. Okay, on top of that, if you are new with us, we would like to invite you to our next in-person newcomer dinner this Wednesday night, March 16th at 6 p.m. in our youth room. Uh, details uh, are online. You can RSVP uh, via our blog or our app. Masks are optional. We will eat in a large space where there's plenty of room to spread out and our industrial HEPA filters will be up and running. Our next worship gathering is Sunday, March 27th at 10 a.m. in our worship center. Masks are optional again. Our HEPA filters will be up and running and uh, we are still using socially distanced seating. And again, if you are new with us, we have opted to do things a bit differently than what you might expect a church to do. And that means right now that we meet once a month for in-person worship. Uh, in the near future, we plan to meet twice a month for in-person worship. On the off weeks, we meet in our, uh, on Sunday mornings in our kinfolk groups. One of those groups meets right here on our campus in our youth room in the lower level of our chapel. Uh, kinfolk groups gather for fellowship, prayer, communion, and sharing life together. Most groups also watch and discuss the weekly online teaching, and we do all of this on purpose so that we can gather collectively as a large group for worship, but also to gather in smaller groups in a kind of scattered fashion for deeper life connection and fellowship and serving each other and our neighborhoods. Next, middle school ministry meets this Wednesday, March 16th as well. Uh, as always, there's free dinner. Hope to see you there. Beth Wheeler runs this awesome time, so middle schoolers don't miss it. Last but not least, two more items of note. Uh, first, Easter is a bit late this year and it falls on Sunday, April 17th. We're going to have one worship service that morning right here in our worship center at 10 a.m. And we, and we invite you to join us for that. Lastly, the Sunday after Easter, we are starting a new class also taught by Beth Wheeler called The Life of Christ. This will be in the youth room as well, uh, the lower level of our chapel on Sundays beginning April 24th and it'll start at 9 a.m. Okay, so last week we spent some time with a few Bible Project videos as a church family. The first one was about the phrase, the gospel, and what that means. And the second one was about the four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus and the good news he was announcing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of the things we talked about in our kinfolk group was that the gospel means the good news. But we went further than that and discussed exactly what that good news is. And the key line from the video that we found most compelling as a, as a definition of the gospel is when those who have faith in Jesus really start living like he is the king of the world. And that's when the gospel becomes the best news that you've ever heard. It's not just words. Uh, we've talked about this before, but the gospel is imitating Jesus's ways, words, and deeds in your everyday life. The good news that Jesus preached was so good. It was a catalyst, an instigation, a provocation that the God of the universe actually loves people and that God's kingdom was and is actually a kingdom of love. It's not a kingdom of control or a kingdom of guilt or shame. It is not a kingdom of coercion or oppression. It is a kingdom based on love, on putting the needs of others before ourselves, of serving on the behalf of others for the sake of others. And so, a group of people who called themselves the way, the follower of Jesus' way of love, 
which was an upside down and backward way from the way the world works. This group of people, they started doing life together the way that Jesus did. They didn't have the option of picking and choosing how or when they wanted to follow Jesus in their context. It was basically all or nothing. They were so enamored with Jesus' gospel of a good news kingdom of God and his love that they were all in and they took Jesus seriously because they saw him live it out. And that's the key. It's living out Jesus' ways, words, and deeds. It's telling the story of Jesus in any way, shape, or form that you can that's consistent with the teachings and actions of Jesus. And it surprised everyone. What I mean by that, if you, if you want to know what I mean by that, I think it's helpful to look in the gospel narratives, the books of the Bible that are true stories about Jesus. Sure, it starts with Jesus saying words because words are important. Uh, and we want to hit that for a minute. The main announcement comes after Jesus' baptism and his testing against Satan and the temptation in the wilderness. And then in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And it's after that that Jesus lives out this good news that he announces. He is the very representation of who God is, and he keeps coming up to everyone who will listen to him or give them his attention. And he first he is the one who first tor- turns towards them. In whatever condition or state or stage of life they find themselves, he comes to them and he accepts them and heals them and he restores their life and their soul. And no matter how they turn away or how many times he turn, they turn away, he keeps coming around to face them again, essentially saying this, I still love you. And no matter how much rejection or guilt or hate or judgment has been heaped on them, he says, I'm here not to condemn you, but to lift you up, to bear the weight with you, to give you strength and shelter. I love you. And it's not just words. And so he just keeps on keeping on with this throughout the story of the Gospels asking us to repent and believe, just like he asked them to do. The God of the universe takes on our humanity so that he might heal our nature and love us. So he, Jesus, he sits down face to face with a woman who, because she is subject to futility and death, the conditions of life, she has lived a life where she's gone from man to man over and over again, marriage to marriage. She's been married five times still never finding the love that she longs for. And what happens is God comes to her and sits down by her at a well. And he says this, I'm the water of life and I will love you. And he knows we will keep having to do this over and over again. Keep coming back to him. Keep repenting and believing. He's like this guy that keeps reminding us that he's here to point the way. He's there to catch us when we fail and pick us back up again. And he does this same thing in all these stories in the Gospels, it is the, is the very representation of what the good news is. He finds this tax collector, this greedy tax collector. We might call him like the corporate CEO of a major corporation uh, today who is making thousands of times more than the average employee in the organization that he runs. It's like Jesus would come up to that person and say, I love you. You don't need to do this. Give it all back. And he does it again with a woman caught in adultery. And the religious establishment has condemned her and wants to kill her. And when they drag her before God, Jesus kneels down beside her at his feet and says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
And just like those people, when we realize and really internalize and come to faith in Him and what He has done, we then want to take on the mantle of following His ways, which is called discipleship. And it's not out of obligation or the desire to repay what He's given us, even if we do desire to repay it. Because when you really think about it, really deeply think about it, there's no true way to pay Him back for that kind of selfless love. And so out of sheer grace and gratitude and joy and peace and the shalom that we now have in our hearts and lives, we begin to imitate His ways. We seek to do that. In fact, He asks His followers to imitate Him. And He says, you're going to do amazing things in my name. You're going to shine like a light on a hill. I've heard, it, I've heard it put this way. When Jesus said, the kingdom of God is, they expected to hear about armies and power, but instead they heard the kingdom of God is like a woman who hid a tiny bit of yeast in some dough and it made so much bread that she could feed her entire community. That's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God should always surprise us. Jesus did not come to conquer with coercive force and power, but to lay down his life for us completely. It's upside down from what we expect and how we often grasp for control in our lives as well. Jesus's good news is a true revolution, the only real revolution. It's a way of living in resistance to the oppressive powers of death and destruction in our world and in our own lives. So when Jesus says, repent and believe the good news, the gospel, that the kingdom of God is near. When he announces his gospel and asks us to join him in it, it simply looks like a local community of Jesus followers standing up against adversity with relentless hope and care for everyone in the neighborhood, just like Jesus did. This is the way. This is the way of Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Until next time, I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus and produce good fruit, my friends.